the early years is, is sort of like the uh, <laughs> the honeymoon period. It all just flushes together in, in, a, in a big golden aura of happy times. And then you guys get sick of each other? Yeah, we hate each other now. <laughs> Hi there. You're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. For episode number 22, we have Patrick Braz and Jewel Loray, I hope I'm saying those last names right, from the band Golden Idols. Golden Idols is a Seattle-based rock quartet with tons of 50s and 60s pop influences, Northwest Music Scene describes their aesthetic as dreamy, romantic, warm, and to an extent, psychedelic. In addition to Golden Idols, Jewel also does a podcast called Basic Bitch, that's basic with two S's, where she interviews other bass players in the local Seattle music scene. Their first full-length album, Holy Smokes, came out at the beginning of 2017. We're gonna hear a song from that album now called Somewhere Deep. Let's go to the beach, to dump the body, right out of sea, tip it over, and we'll lay the body down, we'll dump it somewhere, confident no one will leave. Let's go to the got you started on Basic Bitch doing your own podcast? Mostly it was that I got a little condenser mic for my phone for my birthday a couple years ago and that night I went to go see Ott at the sunset and while I was there it just like came to me like I should start a podcast. I should interview this bass player like tonight. 
it happened to be on my podcast and I came up with the name while I was watching it. And then I walked up to him and I said like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. It's called Basic Bitch. Would you like to be on? He's like, absolutely. And I was like, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> and, then, and then I was really excited because I'm like, finally I have a way to be like not awkward with bands that I like. But yeah. then I never recorded another episode again. <laughs> like that was like almost two years ago. But you had your second episode come out recently. Yes, like a couple weeks ago. I should probably make another one. I, I said, I'm not going to wait another year and a half until the next episode, but I've not made any moves toward. <laughs> There's a lot of steps promise. with it. You got to like find somebody that you want to interview and then yeah. you got to schedule time to meet. Yeah. You got to get all the technical stuff ready and then yeah, you got to like go back over it after you've recorded right. it. And it's then... the technical stuff that's really like, I don't want to always just use like my cell phone little condenser mic thing. There's I want to have a better setup than mm. that. What you could probably do is, because a lot of the bands that you are going to want to interview, if they're not playing at Nemo's, they'll be playing at Sunset or Tractor. Mm -hmm. So if you reach out to them beforehand, you can yeah. say like, hey, I know you guys usually get here early enough. Right. You'll have some time. Just stop by my apartment. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm just trying to do like more local people first, yeah. people that I'm already kind of friends with that can come over mm -hmm. and just hang out. Because I also want it to be like kind of about the local scene. Yeah. Too. I want to do, like, eventually, I want to get to a point where I'm doing a mix of, like, you know, a local person talking for 45 minutes and then, like, a shorter episode that's an interview with someone right after their show. Yeah, yeah. Who are some of the bands locally that you would like to, to do? Know. The next one I have lined up is, is Nick from Colorworks. Uh-huh. How long has Golden Idols been a group? I would say roughly two years. Coming up on three, probably. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the, the, yeah, because the... I, I mean, when I messaged you, mm -hmm. was like late spring, early summer mm. of 2014. So yeah, it's coming up on three. You guys formed on like Craigslist or something, or how did you all come together? Pretty much, most of us were initially discovered on Craigslist. I, mm. I started it with another person who I met over Craigslist, and it, and it, and it began as sort of uh, just a recording. A partnership. We were writing songs and then making demos, and then and then we decided we wanted to start playing out. So we began interviewing people, and that was its own. Uh, you've probably done this before, so you know you, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Some of the people that you meet, <laughs> but eventually we we actually met Jewel, and we I think we met at at uh, ha the Hazelwood. Hazelwood. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a nice day. We were like on the balcony or like the patio area. It was nice. Yeah. We had a lot of bands in common that we liked and so mm -hmm. I think early on we sort of already knew it, that it was gonna work out and then and then it turns out you were good. Yeah, which it was is helpful. A, <laughs> when I was looking for a band I would always send people like my last FM profile and be like, This is what I listen to, like just a shortcut of like here's everything I've listened to since two thousand five. And I notice, I would notice like what bands they were like. Oh yes, I see you listen. And if they li if the ones they list are like the really basic ones, like oh yes, you listen to Radiohead, great. I'm like everyone does. Mm -hmm. But Patrick pulled out. He's like, oh yeah, you like that one generational song that I mm -hmm. like and like hospitality and all this stuff. I'm like, oh good, you picked like the cool bands yeah. in my listening. I think the Unicorns was a big one. Yeah, oh, like I forgot about them. Yeah, because I love the Unicorns mm -hmm. and I. I like the stuff that the individual members have done since then, but that band with their one album was was a big point in my life, I think, surprisingly. So when I saw that you liked them, that was a, like definitely a plus mm -hmm. for me. How many other bass players were you talking to at that point? 
Because that was the last one. Because you already knew you wanted to play drums, right? Because Mike was coming from. He was. We yeah. yeah we were hoping that 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 was going to work out, and we were sort of waiting on him. But mm-hmm. there was, we 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 interviewed a few others, and there was one other person who was pretty good, and he, and he had a decent shot at it. But then after we met with you, we just told him it was like, no, that's okay. <laughs> we found our person. Sorry. <laughs> so how many people are in Golden Idols? There are four of us. What are all of your roles in the group? I play rhythm guitar, some lead, it depends on the song, and then I, I am the lead singer as well. And then Saba is the drummer and he does some singing, and Eric is sort of a jack of many trades. He plays organ, keyboards, guitar, and he does vocals, sometimes all in one song. Cool. Which has got some yeah, keys in the, there. He's yeah. the sprinkle of, the magic sprinkle of just whatever a song needs. Yeah. yeah. And then I do bass. And sing. Everyone sings. There's a lot of singing. Yes. We like to do a lot of big harmonies. I think that's something that we weren't originally when we started the band, weren't doing as much of, but as new members came in that liked to sing, it started getting more and more. We've had, we've joked that like there's been Golden Idols, like Golden Idols 1.0 was Mm. like me, Patrick, the original guy who started Golden Idols with um, Travis and then Mike with the original drummer, who actually was only the drummer for like two a, months, yeah, maybe. a couple months <laughs> before we ever even played the show. Swapped a couple people out. He was yeah. waiting. He was about to have a baby, and then after it came, uh, he realized it just wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. No, that kind of eats up your schedule mm-hmm. right. a little bit. Yeah. So then we got a new drummer, and then so like with all the lineup change, we're probably in like well, we've joked that it's like Golden Idols three point two. two at this point. It's <laughs> very detailed. Yes. Um, I think we should probably just call it. 4.0 at this point. I think it's reached a... I think we were being optimistic about our last uh, our last change was Eric coming on as mm. the guitarist keyboard player and that was like we tried a couple in a swift amount of time mm. so that's why we went like 3.0, 3.1, 3.2 yeah. but I think he's fully proved himself into like this is a full new version. Right. <laughs> we should call it 4.0 from now on. Yeah. Are you guys all from the area, more or less? No, I think I'm the only one that You're the is. only local? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The rest of us are transplants, mm-hmm. like hair plugs in the city. <laughs> I, I'm from Missouri originally. Missouri? Yes. Wow. What, what part of Missouri? The very dead center of the state. So there's the main interstate that runs through this, the state is I-70. Mm-hmm. And you have St. Louis on the east side, Columbia sort of in the middle, and then Kansas City on the left. And I grew up between St. Louis and Columbia. It's a very tiny town and a very uninhabited part of the state. (laughs) 30 minutes to the nearest Walmart. Wow. And that's saying something for the Midwest, I guess. It really is. Yeah, I drove through there recently. I texted him, like, I'm in where you grew up. There's, like, two cows, and that's it. (laughs) And uh, how long have you been in Seattle when you make the move over here? Six years ago. I was in another band for a while when I first came over here and then and then it was going in a direction that I wasn't entirely pleased with so I, I wanted to, to get back more to the influences of the girl groups from the 60s, Motown, Stax Records, doo-wop, rockabilly, like still some punk elements and some like maybe some country swing and everything but so I started this band and it's been all the things that the first band wasn't <laughs> organized. <laughs> yes, yeah. A sense organized. of a vision. Yeah, and and I wasn't the only one doing all everything. It's nice to 
be able to, to like have other people take care of things. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, we try to do, you know, a pretty fair division of labor through the mm. band. Everyone kind of has their their talents that they bring. It helps that we all kind of work in, in jobs that have given us skills. Like I've done marketing for a long time. Oh, so yeah, that's I, useful. So yeah, I, I handle all the social media. Like Eric, he, actually we met at work. He also works technically in marketing, but as like a web developer. So he takes care of the website mm. and like email automation and that kind mm. of stuff. So we have a lot of, we actually uh, do a really nerdy thing, which is that we run our entire band. Like our whole band is managed using agile methodology that you use in like- I don't know what that is. <laughs> you use it in, it's a, it's a management style that's used often at like software startups. It's mostly about organizing like, you prioritize like these, this is everything we want to get done and you prioritize and you have a rule of how many tasks you can grab at the same time. You're not allowed to do anything until you finish these things first. And you have like this thing called a Kanban board that's used to manage what's going Was on. Was this on an episode of Silicon Valley or something? Yes, yeah, they, de <laughs> they definitely talk about this at some point, but yeah, I like okay. wrote a, I wrote a nerdy Medium article about it at one point nice. and yeah, so it actually, it works out pretty well, I think. We haven't always been a band that everyone helped out with everything. That's more of a recent phenomenon. I think that's kind of a big part of it is there's a little more accountability because we're actually mm. like writing down we what we want to get master. done. Yeah, yeah, we have the scrum master that's like yeah. saying, checking in on people like, hey, you're going to do that thing on the website you said you were going to and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> so what do you think of Seattle as a place for doing music in general? That's a good question. I mean, I've never done music anywhere else, so, mm, right. so what are, what are your thoughts on it? To. Yeah. Well, Seattle is a city that likes to think of it itself as a music city, but it's really not. What kind of city is it? It's, it's, it's in the same it's way that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's... it's a, I need to get home to my dog city. <laughs> it, it is. I need to get home to my dog city, okay. It, it, you can kind of parallel it with the people who who like to think that they are outdoorsy people and they have the hiking shoes, but they never go hiking. And it just becomes a fashion, you know? It's fashionable. Stocks. Right. It's fashionable for people to, to think that, that they are part of a music city and that, that they the city really supports music here, but it's not really entirely true. There is a good community of people who really love music and they go to shows a lot, but most of them are musicians themselves. <laughs> oh, you get that anywhere, I think. That's true. That's true. So I think that one of the things that I found here, too, is that there are a lot of individual music scenes that really don't don't interact with each other mm. in the previous mm. band I, we were playing in a different genre and and i thought that i knew the city fairly well in terms of like a lot of the people who were playing out and then when i started this band i found out that i didn't know any of the people that were in this <laughs> whole other genre and there are probably still other other people that as, as long as i've been playing in the city that i've never met that mm -hmm. that probably we would get along well and our musics might even vibe with each other but because we play different venues and we run in different circles we just have never met each other hmm. yeah i think that the scenes are very insular and mm -hmm. they don't yeah there's there's a few bands that are good at crossing over and yeah. are kind of like connector bands but so uh, what's yeah, what scene accurate. would you guys say that you're in oh that's my refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> does that every 30 minutes that's okay <laughs> what scene are we in I, that's that's a good question we're sort of 
in many different scenes and none all at the same time because we, I think we are one of those kind of connector bands we in are. a way. Oh, that's good. Um, I don't think we're super heavily involved. Like, we're not, like, a central part of any mm. scene. Yet. Yeah, yet. <laughs> we're not. Um, we've done a, quite a few shows with, like, kind of the East Lake punk group. Mm -hmm. And we've also... I'd say that the people we associate with most are kind of this, like, North Seattle ballard people that are mm. kind of just not in any particular genre it's more just about like it's all like happy fun vibes yeah that's kind of welcoming and friendly yeah yeah. Right. yeah yeah we played with everybody from evening bell i think we might have played with them at one point and they're mm -hmm. kind of more like leaning towards country and we've played with bands that are almost metal sometimes mm -hmm. and and really like because we have elements of so many different things in our in our band, like we all have a song that is kind of rockability with a doom breakdown <laughs> in it, just like all of a sudden just switches genres, and mm -hmm. then um, and then and then songs that it can be a little heavy, and then other ones that are really more danceable. And they all have a, a similar vein in terms of the the lyrics that run behind it. In terms of like if you're just going there and listening to the music and not paying attention to the words then then it's a pretty broad <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a random broken jukebox of yeah. <laughs> stuff from you know the 50s through the 80s, 80s basically well, i feel like there's a lot of bands like that these days because everybody you know you have music on your ipod it can hold like five thousand songs yeah and there's no reason not to have music from a bunch of different genres and it right, all our, gets mixed up in our, your brain our influences are so broad yeah. these days and i originally we had kind of talked about like you know it'd be great if we had and we do somewhat try to tailor our sets to be like we're playing with these kinds of bands let's try to kind of lean mm. into this particular sound we have so we try to do that a little bit yeah like have a darker slower set or a more upbeat fun set if you're playing with a band like like Acapocalypse or something like you're gonna play more of the surfy fun stuff and if you're playing with a band that's like post-rock influenced <laughs> then you might like do the slower waltzes and like the heavier doom okay, so you stuff. try to accommodate the other bands you're playing with right that evening. yeah that's interesting yeah. by the way why do you call yourselves golden idols where'd that name come from that name comes from a lot of different things partially because when we started the band those of us who were in the initial lineup were were had been raised religious and over the years had sort of given up on it, had decided it wasn't for us. So there is a part of it because Golden Idol suggests a lot of different things. You have a reference to Moses and the, the golden calf, but then you also have references to uh, Indiana Jones mm -hmm. and his Golden Idol. And then, uh, and then it, it's a familiar thing. It seems vaguely religious while on the other hand being also vaguely sacrilegious. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of... Right, you didn't call it false idols and just make it... Right. Totally. No, yeah. yeah. We like to lean into the like blasphemous kind of mm -hmm. part of it. Well, I guess your album cover, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So it started it started with that and then also just because there's so much you can do with a name like Golden Idols because mm -hmm. when you hear it you wonder like, who who are these idols? Are they who are the gods they're representing? You know, are we the the, the idols or are we representatives of some sort of like unformed or secret uh, religion? Yeah, there's some mystery to it. Right. We're not just going to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> What's the songwriting process like for the band? Um, do you have a primary songwriter? Yeah, yes. Patrick's pretty much the, he's the guy. He's the genius so behind it all. 
I do. I do write the melody and lyrics. So generally what will happen is I'll have an idea for a song, which consists of a thesis, which is bound in one line. This, this one line is oftentimes both the hook and the thesis of the song. Ah, so you sum it up very succinctly. In a way, yeah. Um, it's kind of the initial spark behind what the whole point of the song is. So it, it doesn't necessarily say, like, this is the point of the song, but it will be, like, one one recurring theme throughout the whole of the song. And I'll, I'll start with that, and then the idea for a melody, and then I'll sit down. And I usually, like, when I was working on the east side, I often would be in the car in traffic for about an hour. So I would <laughs> sounds, turn off... Sounds about right. Yeah. So I would turn off the radio and I would just start singing it to myself. And oftentimes I'd have the song written in my head by the time I got home. And then I would sit down, I would put it to some chords to it, and then I would demo the whole thing. After I demoed it out, I would email it to the band. At least at that time, generally no one would no. listen to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I would bring it in to practice. Yeah, he would just, uh, the normal way that songs actually get brought to the band is while we're setting up, Patrick just kind of looks around, starts singing I it. Emailed and emailed this to you guys, like, but I'll like, play it again now. Yeah, do, you like, do you like it? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's been a lot of songs recently that you've written, like literally in the car on the way to practice mm -hmm. that have turned mm -hmm. out really well. That you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I just wrote this, like, those are Five the best songs, ago. though, that they just they come just, to you really uh, yeah. quick and yeah. you're ready to just go with them. Yeah, like the song, I guess, Get You Alone. I yeah. don't know if we really have a name for it, but it's the newest one we've been playing out. It uh, has a very different feel to it. It sounds different from anything else that we play. I think the mm -hmm. closest reference point would be probably like a Deep Sea Diver almost mm -hmm. feel to it, in my head anyway. Yeah. And it wasn't intentional. That's just kind of the way it panned out but but it was halfway written I didn't even have all the words to it yet and then we came to practice and I was just messing around with it and we we finished it in the span in, I think half an hour yeah it, yeah by the yeah, end of the day one of was, my favorites yeah now. I really like it me too and I think like the nice thing about the way you write is you do leave a lot of room for like mm -hmm. you've come in with songs that are you've demoed in a particular feel and we completely change like yeah. the genre and style of the song but your songwriting lends to that and mm. oh that's important yeah yeah and i think yeah we kind of and because there are, i think are times that, and yeah recently that's been a thing too that you've written a song that it's like this sounds a lot like this other song yeah and so we changed some parts to it to make it sound less like mm. other things we've done and like here's a thing we've never done before let's try incorporating that so mm. Patrick brings just like really great bones to a song that we can kind of fashion, you know, the flesh to whatever we want. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so I'll I'll write it and I'll have the words to it. And then sometimes, like for instance, we did this one where we figured out how we wanted the structure of the song to be, and then Saba's like, you know what? I, I think the song actually needs another verse. Like, so why don't you <laughs> add another verse to it so oh, that we nice. would play it? And yeah, and then one of the ones we're working on now was similar to an, an earlier song of ours. And in fact, enough that the that the melody of the chorus was was almost exactly almost the same. the same. Of course, two of the guys were in the band at that time, so yeah. they didn't really recognize it. I immediately was like, "This is that, yeah, this is mm -hmm. too close." So I took it home, and then I reworked it. I, I completely changed the uh, the breakdown and the chorus, so the the words were the same, but the structure was very very different. And then came back, and then it was a whole new song. So it's nice too, like to have that flexibility to because. One of the things that we absolutely don't want to do is be a band where 
someone comes out and watches us and they hear the first song and they're like, yeah, okay. And then by the third song, they're like, I think I can get a beer now because it's I, just all the same. It's mm-hmm. all the same. I, 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 that's one of the things I hate when I go to a show to like one of their songs, but then the whole set is basically just that one song. Or over inferior over versions of that song. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. So one of the biggest things for us is to like, yes, we should still sound like ourselves as a band, but, but we appreciate bringing in these other influences and mixing three or four genres within the span of one song because we we like that diversity in the sound when i when i listen to music i like to listen to i'll go from hip-hop to old country yeah, he puts, to like he puts his entire Norwegian phone metal. on shuffle it's actually kind of frustrating what vibe am i supposed to get yeah, into like now we, like we, were on a, we were on tour and whenever it's like patrick's ipod in the playing it's just like the most random shit yeah. comes on yeah that it would be like a hip-hop song and then like a super country and then like <laughs> and then like metal and like yeah. It yeah. was hard to. It was hard for me. I'm very much a curative vibe kind mm. of playlist kind of person, so it's okay though. It was fun. It, yeah. it made me understand you as a person Probably. and a songwriter <laughs> a lot more going through that experience. Yeah, I used to work in a call center too. I, was, I used to do a customer service, so one of the things I would have, I'd have music playing in one ear and then my phone on the other, and and I I, I liked that shuffle. Because I would be talking with someone, and they'd be very upset about whatever it was. And uh, in one ear, I might I would be listening to something happy for a minute, maybe like <laughs> the Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and then the next thing would be something like Disfear, this like Norwegian, or, like <laughs> Central European metal band, I'm like. <laughs> and with someone yelling at me in one ear, and then like something really angry and aggressive in the other ear, it just kind of like makes me chuckle silently to myself <laughs> keep up a good spirit yeah. yeah yeah so you guys released two full-length albums uh golden idols and then holy smokes first or one's it, kind of an first EP. one's more of an ep yeah yeah but it's uh, right on the verge six songs it's kind of i guess it's a full-length long. album now but <laughs> when yeah. we i mean that well they're they're short songs they i mean are. all of our yeah. songs because of the kinds of genres we're playing, they tend to be like right at that three and a half minute mark. Yeah, for the you're, most part. you're doing a lot of like 60s influenced music, yeah. and those songs are all like They're definitely very not more than four minutes. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, three minutes. Not three a lot and a half of. Is like yeah, we've long never been song. kind of a extended jam section mm. kind of band. We're a very much like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Do that solo over the verse again. Go to a bridge chorus done. Like yeah. that yeah. tends to There's be. There's definitely the, a structure. Yeah. yeah. In place. Well, early on, I mean, back when I was still living in Missouri and playing in a band back there, we played with this shoegaze band, and I can I can appreciate some shoegaze, especially if I'm studying or something. But this band had clearly gone out and gotten super high right before they went on stage. That's for the audience to do, not the musicians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there was there, they were very into what they were playing and and i thought to myself like wow this this nine minute long song has only had two chord changes the whole time <laughs> basically this is not my my way like what i'm one of my one of my i guess songwriting idols would be jonathan richmond from modern lovers mm. so he he's some people say he invented it but i doubt that's really true but um like minimalist rock so i like to take things and keep them fairly simple in terms of their like have simple hooks recognizable structures things that that are easy to to dance to and easy to to just move your body to but 
juxtapose those with very dark lyrics. Mm. Most of the songs are about very dark subjects. Could be anything from like serial murder to just being an awful person in general. Something like knowing that you're not in love with the person that you're with and staying with them anyway because you it makes you feel good about yourself and you don't really care about the <laughs> oh fact boy. that it's yeah <laughs> so it was yeah. really funny when i met patrick because i had heard a lot of these demos and i was like this is a this is gonna be an interesting guy to talk to and he's just like a really nice normal guy like married and like it's <laughs> oh. like really super nice midwestern i'm like Oh, so these aren't like these autobiographical. Are yeah, these aren't time. autobiographical, and I that was so hard for me to understand because I have such a hard time writing lyrics that aren't autobiographical. Mm. And uh, but I yeah, that's something I've always really appreciated about your songwriting. Thanks. But I <laughs> but I wonder if people who listen to our music mm. think you must be some kind of like. like yeah, yeah. ego maniacal. Yeah, just some kind of megalomaniac. Like he's in my, not. In my he's heart not, of hearts, I might a, be. Who knows? But he's not. He's just a really like nice guy with like a lovely wife and a really cute dog. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, one of my makes a lot of bread and like is generally very wholesome. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I one of my big big uh, songwriting influences was it was kind of a mixture of two things. Uh, starting off, there's a, a, a short seven-page treatise written by Jonathan Swift called A Modest Proposal, written back mm-hmm. in, I don't know, the 1700s, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's the, same, it's the same author who wrote Gulliver's Travels. Mm-hmm. But at this time, he wrote this seven-page treatise on how uh, all of the economic problems that were that were plaguing the, the United Kingdom at that time, hunger famine, uh, unemployment, issues like that how could all be all be fixed by allowing the the lower class Irish to sell their babies as food and clothing to the rich. And, he's, <laughs> and he posited, like, he, he really laid out a very firm plan, like all the benefits mm-hmm. that of what it would be like, and you know, like the that would ease the financial burden of these families, these Catholic families with all these babies that they couldn't support by having one less mouth to feed, and then they would get some money from it. And was he trolling or was he serious? He was he was a satirist. Yeah. Okay. You know. Right. So he was basically saying that the fact that I can lay out an argument for this and make it sound reasonable just points to the the, the fact humanity of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is that the situation is so bad that if we would even con- for us to even consider something like that, something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of painting it in a sort of a daily show He's sort of situation. The, the nth degree. Yeah. Exactly. So it, my songwriting is oftentimes a mixture of that and then Merrily Rush's Angel of the Morning. You know the song, Just call me angel of the morning, baby. It's a song from the 60s that uh, more recently was redone by I think Shaggy didn't he do I mean, maybe yeah yeah he did sounds. some sort of a like a remake of it but it's it's something that I noticed which was that in the 60s and the 50s a lot of the songs sound really nice like one fine day one fine day you're gonna want me for your girl but that what that song is actually about like will you go out and sow your wild seeds you sleep with all those other women and I'll just be here waiting for you and then when you're done with all of that and you're ready to get married I'll finally be happy. Mm-hmm. Like, 
What a depressing, yeah. what a depressing <laughs> thing to like think about I your life. Yeah, some of the songs from that era are kind of bleak if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, super bleak. And hers, like, so merrily rushes Angel of the Morning is saying, like, I know we're about to have this one night stand, and I know it doesn't mean anything to you, and I know that in the morning you're going to be gone, but all I ask is just be nice to me. In the morning when we go, say nice things about me and then we can part ways and I'll, I won't call you, I won't come looking for you. Mm. We'll just let it be what it is, but just be nice to me in the morning. Right? And that bittersweet message is... <laughs> That's your bread and butter? It is. It really, really is. I, I, I think that, that a lot of the songwriting we do is, has elements of these things, this, mm-hmm. this juxtaposition between the, the happy music and the dark or at least bittersweet messages behind the lyrics. This, this mm-hmm. new one we were talking about is um, about friends who the one of them one of them is in love with the other one, and then the other one knows that the, the the first one has feelings for them and doesn't reciprocate them, but but allows them to hang around because it makes them feel good about themselves. And mm-hmm. you know, like you know, nothing's ever going to happen. You know, we might sleep in the same bed together and we'll cuddle and we'll hang out all the time but all uh, all this is ever going to be is you listening to me talk about other guys yeah the the main like line in the chorus like i'm always in love with someone but not with you uh, yeah <laughs> but it's more true than a lot of these other songs a lot of people write songs about how much they're in love with another person you know how the whole world revolves around them and the whole in the light of the morning is shining <laughs> down upon them and you know, and God is smiling and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's just not really true, yeah. I don't think, unless maybe you're manic. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a cliche, like they're filler words yeah. to serve the, the melody or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. I was curious, uh, what would you all say collectively is your favorite thing to do as a band? And then what's your least favorite thing that you have to do as a band? I know what our favorite thing to do as a band is. We like to find things that come in groups of four and decide... <laughs> Who in the band mm-hmm. is represented by that thing? So north, <laughs> north south, east, west. Who's so you, you, you've yeah. decided which beetle you are to... Oh, uh, we know that's a new one. Really? No. We haven't done that I one. would think that's like your first... You would think go-to. so, but we didn't. We, we I did. mean, that's... I mean, it actually pretty much works out to who's playing what. I feel Probably. like I'm Paul, you're... John. I feel like Eric's George. George. No, Eric's George, because oh. he's the like the quiet one. That's like, no, you're like you're John. Secret wild but, side. Yeah, you're you're John. Like you're okay. the one who's doing all the. What are, what are some examples of ones you've gone over? Um, this, this one time practice? we were d- during the tour, we were sitting in a Denny's, <laughs> and there was like neon signs that said like breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night. And I was like, okay, out of those four meals, who is who? And it was actually a pretty long discussion. There was a lot, yeah. Your dinner. I'm dinner. No, no. Saba was dinner, because that was like the social meal that uh, you talk a lot during. Your breakfast, because it's the most important meal of the day. (laughs) I didn't, that wasn't my argument. (laughs) That was This was all of us. Yeah. Uh, Eric is lunch because it's very tactical. It's a tactical yeah. meal. Yeah. You get get it done quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was late night because I'm just like that bad decision of mac and cheese <laughs> at 1 a.m. that you make. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What's our What's our least favorite thing to do as a band then? Our least favorite thing to do as a band, um, probably book shows. Yeah. You don't like book and shows. I, well, we like playing the show. You don't it's like just emailing like the, 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 yeah, the process of... Yeah, 
and making sure everyone's day is free and because mm, we, we scheduling right we we hate the idea of of uh, canceling shows we've only ever had to do it once and that's when Saba was had broken his hand Ooh. so <laughs> mm. we, there was no way we were playing that show that being said there's a certain amount of of planning that goes into it you might have more than one offer during that time but they don't always come in at the same time so you yeah. wonder like you want to get back to them quickly and give them the yes or the no first you want to double check to make sure everyone's available on that day and then make sure that that's the show that you want to do mm -hmm. if you have more than one you have to decide between the two of them and then making sure that there's the right amount of time between the shows so there, there are a lot yeah, of logistical elements I think a lot of the the better gigs tend to come in more last minute mm -hmm. than like you just get invited by somebody yeah to do something yeah, yeah. and uh, so that's always kind of hard when you see like you get offered like a a gig that's better than the one you already agreed to, but we don't like to go back on our mm -hmm. words, so. Yeah, it's important for us that that the people who are uh, booking the shows, the the concert promoters, the, the people affiliated with the venues, that they know that they can rely on us, that we're going to be there on time. Yeah, that's important for an indie band, to right. have that credibility. Absolutely. Do you enjoy performing the most? or So there's like songwriting, there's recording, there's playing live, like hmm. is performing the thing you enjoy over everything else? I think it depends on the or? venue and the crowd yeah. a little bit, yeah. honestly. On a, on a, on, at a good show, it's hard to beat, yeah. honestly. But then sometimes you, you get up there and you can't hear yourself because the stage mix is, is, yeah. Yeah, is less than to be desired and and you know maybe the crowd is surly that night and you were <laughs> like you're having some sort of problem like for some reason no matter what we do ba the bass just keeps like fuzzing out and freaking mm -hmm. out and you're mm -hmm. like is it the is it the amp or is it the cable, cable or is it the base it yeah, yeah is it the monitors is like what the fuck is happening here lots like, of problems to work out yeah yeah so when it's when it's bad it's pretty bad but mm -hmm. when it's good it's really it's, good yeah. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun recording I we think. do yeah your recordings are really polished like the sound's super dialed in yeah we uh for both our ep and our full length we worked with johnny goss um who is dandelion gold dandelion gold is his studio he is also yeah, he did a killer of, job yeah, yeah one of two people of cock and swan is his own band and he um the reason we I mean, we like stalked him a little bit <laughs> at the beginning. We were like, before we even had very many songs written, we were like, we knew that's who we wanted to record with. Mm -hmm. He recorded he recorded Lelouz's first um, EP and their first full length too. Mm -hmm. um, and we just really loved that sound, especially, I think he's just such a genius with vocals. Like the, what he does with vocals is he really, right really where good. To put them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's really good at knowing where to put them. And he also like, I mean, we give him producer credits on both of our albums, I think, mm. because he he helps us figure it out too. He's just he's really good at like yeah. that's not quite the note you're trying to get to. <laughs> We're just like, oh, thank you, Johnny. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's amazing. We really like working with him, and we usually have done just like weekend sessions. Is how mm. we record things. I think the first EP was literally just one weekend of recording. It was one weekend of recording, one of mixing, and that was it. Oh, that's the quicker right. the better. Yeah. Yeah, and then the. The full length was two weekends of recording, two weekends of mixing, pretty much. And, and then maybe a smattering of other days yeah. after that. But it's fun. We get a lot of snacks. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have, our, have our carrots. Yeah, we all. And our raw almonds. We like to have healthy, <laughs> healthy snacks. <laughs> and yeah. So that album, Holy Smokes, that came out about like a year ago? 
Um, it came out in January was our, mm-hmm. so yeah, this January was our official oh, release. This January? Yeah. Oh, so it's only been out for a few months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's pretty new. So we, we have now three songs that'll probably make it onto the next album. We're taking some time on that one to tour more regionally yeah, and yeah. promote Re- this album. Replenish our band fund. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe sell some of this first album a little bit first, yeah. but... Yeah. We finally got it into record stores, so oh, that's congratulations. a, good, that's a good step. And it's it's on the featured section at Sonic Boom, I think, yeah. right? Which yeah. is awesome. Prominent placement. Yeah. It was uh, fortuitous that I super procrastinated into getting the records into the stores, but the weekend that I did get it all in the stores was Easter weekend, and I'm like, Jesus is on the cover. So whenever I brought it in, I'm like, hey, you want to sell the records? Look, Jesus on the cover. It's perfect for Easter. They're like, oh, yeah, nice. And then they all kind of put it in good places. The timing worked out well. Yeah. yeah. It made it look like I planned that. Instead of that, I was just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys are playing the High Dive in Fremont pretty soon, right? What day yes, is that? Yes, we are June 24th. Yeah, the High Dive. It'll be fun. It's with Wild English. Mm-hmm. And who else is on that? There's some other. There's two other bands on the bill, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But High Dive is... I mean, High Dive's a great venue. It's really fun to play, and it, it has, like, a good amount of foot traffic, which I like. And mm. I think it's a Friday, yeah, it's a good too, venue. and we're playing, so it's... Most of our shows uh, for the next for the rest of the summer are all weekend shows. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. We've made That's it. Good. We've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you made it big time around here, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. playing on a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks so much for coming over today. This is fun. Thanks for, thanks for having us. That was Golden Idols, or at least half of them. So yeah, you can catch their next show at the High Dive in Fremont on June 24th. If you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Feel free to leave a rating or write a review there while you're at it. Sign up for the Niagara Moon mailing list if you would like to get weekly updates on the podcast, as well as my own musical activities. Just go to niagaramoonmusic.com and scroll down to enter in your email address. You can find the podcast on Facebook. You look up Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you would like to email me with suggestions, questions, or comments about the podcast, you can email tatppodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for talking about the passion is, as always, the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album Eating Peaches. All right, so now we're going to hear two more songs off of Holy Smokes, All Alone, and then Just the Three of Us. See you next Wednesday.
nothing 